Truth Espresso, episode 207. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, friend, foe, family, or lurker alike listening to this episode of Truth Espresso. Welcome. I am your host, Daniel Minnick, and I have here with me my sweet, beautiful wife and co-host, Chelsea. And we are continuing a series on parenting, talking about how we should raise and treat our children. In the last episode in this series, we talked about four ways that we tear down our children. And now this episode is going to be more on the positive end, about four ways to build up our children. These are positive things that we can do as parents to help our children lead happy, healthy lives in our home. So, sweetheart, ready to talk about ways to build up our children with me? Yes, this will be a more positive episode, so this will definitely be more fun. Let's just think about why would we want to build up our children? Why is that an important part of parenting? Well, I think it's important to keep in mind just What are children? Why did God give us this task of parenting? How God created the family structure. The family structure is a biblical structure. It is something that God designed. It's not an accident of nature. And so we know that there's purpose in this. And we know that God's intention is for parents to be an example and to raise children, then ultimately to become parents themselves and have children, grandchildren, and so on. So we are, could we talk a little bit about the biblical view of parenting is might be a little bit different from the way society might view children, especially today's society. Yes, I think that's one of the main pillars of our society that's been crumbling is Mm. the pillar of family and what that means and how God designed it from the beginning. And we can see in Genesis, God designed Adam and Eve, a male and female, to marry and to be fruitful and multiply, to have children. And that that was a blessing. So children are seen as a blessing in that first biblical example of marriage and procreation. And this is the exact opposite of what we see in society today where we're seeing that a family unit is basically any way you want to call it a family. You could have a animal instead of a child. (laughs) Like you consider your furry animals your kids and not that there's anything wrong with having pets and you know caring for them of course but they're at a different level than (laughs) an actual human being yeah didn't we see a month or so ago we're at the mall we saw um probably a dating couple that had they had a dog in a what looked like a baby carriage (laughs) (laughs) treating dogs like babies yeah (laughs) yeah that was a little bit (laughs) extreme (laughs) 
I think it's interesting. I mean, just even the aspect of how God created people for connection. After God made all the animals and he made Adam, he's like, there's something still missing here. That Adam needed someone to connect with that connection piece of it. And to me, that's kind of showing God's heart for us, even as humans, that he wants that connection with us and that relationship with us. And it's just so in contrast to what our society fosters, praises, and even practices. Today's society says that independence is strength and isolation is healthy and (laughs) That's how we're going to get through different sicknesses going around. Which I think society's understanding of independence is really not independence. You know, it's more like dependence on the powers that be and independence from family and other things like that. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think if we look at how God created relationships that the husband, wife coming together their faith and trust in Christ and the procreation process, that that family unit is actually what gives strength and it gives unity. It promotes health. It gives like a solid structure. And I just think it's so sad that we have strayed so far away from that. And I mean, we see so many consequences from that pillar yeah Yeah, it's definitely the way god designed things like yes we recognize individuality individual rights and stuff because each one of us is a whole human being but god also has the institution of the family a husband father wife mother and children (laughs) that's the way god designed things so along with that is how god would instruct us as parents to think about our children their roles and how do we help them with their roles as children as they grow up to become unchildren <laughs> adults <laughs> yeah they develop into yeah. yes the adulthood <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, you said that God tells us that children are a blessing. We've past episodes mentioned the verse from Psalms that Psalms. <laughs> Man, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Psalms. You know, was it one twenty-seven? Yeah. I'm trying. Okay, I'm trying to remember. We've read that quite a few times. I got to remember the reference to it. You know, <laughs> that children are a blessing from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. And so if we keep that in mind as parents, that should help us to think of how do we discipline them, how do we treat them as we're raising them, and keeping in mind as children are a blessing. I want to mention John chapter 16 and verse 21, and this, it's kind of interesting It's almost like this verse is stuck in there where Jesus is talking to his disciples about preparing for persecution and stuff. But then it's like, oh, (laughs) he brings up something that's like this beautiful verse about childbearing and stuff because he's talking about the pain of persecution and it's like a travail, kind of like labor pains. But Jesus gives the example, a woman when she is in travail hath sorrow because her hour is come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy because of joy that a man is born into the world. As much as a mother endures the labor pains, 
even Jesus says she once after the birth, it doesn't take long, and the mom forgets really what that difficult experience was like because of the joy of now you have a child to raise. I always think that is so <laughs> interesting because it's true. Yeah. And I know we were talking about that recently, babe, where it's like even with some of the struggles I had in pregnancy or delivery, it's like, I just don't remember. Like my body doesn't remember (laughs) that. And so then I think that's how God made women. Mm -hmm. And this verse proves that that's how women desire to have more children. Because if you remembered all that pain and difficulty to its fullest extent, then you would never have any more children. So I think it's just amazing how detailed God is and how he made us in that it is going to be painful. That's part of the sin's curse. But at the same time, he allows us to kind of forget some of that. So we would go on and have more children. Definitely. So we are. And that's what this is all about. And so that kind of brings us into building up our children. So the first way to build up our children, and these all start with the letter C. So thank you, sweetheart, for coming up with these notes. The first one is to cherish our children. And each of these points for building up our children, we should always think about that these are daily things we should do with our children. It's not like once a year, cherish your children and so on. This is something that we have to keep in mind to do every day. So every day we need to demonstrate to our children that we cherish them. We need to show them multiple times a day that we truly love them and value them. And part of cherishing children is to listen to what they have to say, listen to their needs, understand their needs. Now, the way a a young child might express a need, it might not always make sense to an adult, but we need to regard the fact that this is the way a child thinks and Think of it as precious and not just get annoyed by it. So, yes, cherish our children, demonstrate it every day. So I have an example of how this can look in a way that would not be showing your child love. So an example would be if you're on your phone, scrolling through Facebook or sending text messages or emails or whatever, you're concentrating on your phone or computer And then your child is trying to tell you about their day at school and how there was a kid who pushed him and was teasing him that his pants were a little bit too short or something. (laughs) Then if you're distracted, focusing on that device and not actually focusing on your child when he's telling you these concerns, then that's going to make your child feel as if he doesn't matter and that what the kid at school teasing him was actually an okay thing for that kid to like bully him basically. And that's not what we want. So we have to put our devices down. We have to actively again, listen and show that we are there for our children. And they know that. They know if we're distracted. They know if we're just saying, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. <laughs> And not actively listening, and that shuts them down. So, it's so hard to do this, but (laughs) I mean, all of these are important, but one of the important things to do is to make sure your child does feel valued and seen and loved. It's like what is core to them and their development and how they are going to enter into adulthood and 
Definitely, because if we cut them off, if we're, as you mentioned, like parents sitting on the couch, scrolling through their phones and not wanting to be disturbed when their children have a need, and if we think, oh, well, that's not a real need, so don't interrupt me, then that's going to shut them down. And parents, if you don't want your children to grow up to be callous narcissists, then you need to cherish your children. Be prepared to put the phone down or whatever it is that's distracting you from interacting with your children, listening to your children and cherishing them. And sometimes, you know, you might be doing something that really is important, but can you break it up into multiple little segments, uh, you know, so that you can pay attention to your children? Maybe if, if it's something that takes 15 minutes to do, maybe you could do five minutes here and there when you happen to find the time when your kids are distracted playing something. But if they need you, be prepared to, yeah, cherish them by putting it down and interacting with them. <laughs> Think of the example as of this recording yesterday or even this morning where our one daughter likes to pretend to be in a wedding. <laughs> now, she doesn't completely understand what a wedding's all about. She kind of thinks it's just a party where you get dressed up and everything's just beautiful and formal you know and if she likes to do the drop the petals <laughs> so she well, she was recently a flower girl yes. <laughs> in my younger sister's wedding so this is kind of her role-playing theme yeah. right now <laughs> so she wants to pretend to be the bride she wears a little like kind of veil and stuff and then has me <laughs> drop the petals <laughs> Or I'm pretending to drop the petals around or carry a pillow with a hair thing as a ring on it and stuff. You know? <laughs> I mean, there, like there could be times when she wants me to play house with her, which involves like five minute days. <laughs> Let's go sleep. Get up. We'll go eat something. Now go back to sleep and stuff. But just Sometimes I might feel like I don't have much energy, but I'm going to do it with her because that's going to make her happy. She needs that. So that's Aww, a, <laughs> you're so sweet, sir. That's cherishing your children. Okay. So the best part of her doing the pretend weddings <laughs> was when you walked her down oh. the kitchen aisle. <laughs> oh, yeah. That melted your heart when I had uh, like lock arms with her and walked down the kitchen wedding aisle. <laughs> oh, that was so sweet. Yeah. So I was also thinking that part of this too is that it's okay to tell your child as well, you know, mommy really wants to hear your story or I really want to listen to what you want to tell me, but I need to finish this project. So give me two minutes and then I will be able to listen to this and, you know, just letting them know that you are important, but I have something that I need to finish up here. And then that way I can give you my full attention. Yeah, And I think that's okay too, because that's, kind of teaching them our level of respect or boundaries because there's going to be times where you can't just drop something and focus on them 100% yeah. 100% of the time. Yeah, so. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I didn't mean to imply that, but like no. sometimes, yeah, as I said, if someone's just lounging on the couch and scrolling through social media, then hey, 
if your child wants something, you know, wants you to play, you know, drop it and play. But yeah, when there's those times where something's really important and you might lose your progress if you drop it or whatever, and you got to get it done for business or work. Yeah. Okay, just give me a few more minutes and when I'm done, I'm playing with you. (laughs) And I'm not sure what other parents think about this too, but it can be somewhat challenging. You know, we have four kids, but having multiple kids because sometimes they all want your attention at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. And so trying to figure out, okay, let me help your brother with school and then I will help you with this. And I try (laughs) not to dismiss them. But at the same time, let them know, like, okay, there are three other kids here, too, (laughs) that I have to make sure I'm paying attention to or helping them with stuff. And so it's definitely not an easy thing to do, but something that we have to, again, just be aware of and work at. Definitely. It's all about doing the best you can in whatever whatever situation, knowing that you're not the one who's the bottleneck because of, of an intentional neglect. So I have a verse or two verses, actually, a passage of two verses for this first point of cherishing your children, because in the King James, it actually has the word cherish in it. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, the Apostle Paul's giving an example of his and his companions' conduct, their ministry toward the Thessalonian church, and how they treat him like Paul at some times had to be direct and harsh with people, but he talked about how they treated the Thessalonians. And he said, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse or a nursing mother cherisheth her children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. So, it's kind of demonstrating the Apostle Paul is like, we treated you like a nursing mother cherishes her young children. And so, yeah, that's an example of how parents should cherish their children. And that also seems to demonstrate If parents are cherishing their children the way they should be, that's how they can teach and communicate things that children need to know. So Paul's saying, by our cherishing you as nursing mothers cherish their young children, we imparted to you the gospel and we imparted to you our very souls, you know, for your edification. Oh, that's a really cool verse (laughs) at that point. Hi, I'm Sharon Wilharm, host of All God's Women podcast and internationally syndicated radio show. I'd love to invite you to join me as we bring to life the stories of women in the Bible and discover their relevance for our lives today. Listen at allgodswomen.com, your favorite podcast platform, or at christianpodcastcommunity.org. So our second point here is the word calm. So another way we can build up our child, our children, is to be calm. So having a calm tone of voice, having calm behavior, and also our response should be calm. This helps to prevent damage, especially emotional damage, but it also teaches our children how they themselves can remain calm. So having our calmness in tense situations kind of helps bring stability to our children. 
I don't know if you notice sometimes if either of you. <laughs> that was not how I needed it. <laughs> if, Me, myself, and I. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> so if either of us uh, yeah. are stressed or if an alarm goes off in the house and if we show any signs of being stressed or worried about it, then our kids, like their anxiety and worry go up even more. And it's hard to do, but something that helps is if we remain calm Mm. and use our calm voice and say, okay, that's just a test alarm. It's okay. We're going to go do this. We'll change the battery or, you know, just remaining calm. That kind of helps bring the level down of everyone. And that's kind of our role as parents is that we need to be that kind of rod for them of setting the tone. And I think that's kind of what I was thinking with this point was just making sure like our whole being is demonstrating calmness to them because that helps our children learn how to be calm and not overly angry or stressed or definitely say this is this is a very difficult thing it takes practice and training and thought because it can be hard to be calm when the immediate reaction that you're tempted to do is not to be calm it's to express anger or to express like fear because if parents are angry the kids get flustered if the parents express worry in such a way that it's like they're not in control of the situation the children are going to get terrified you know they need the parents to be that yeah as you said that rod there and especially you know in situations if your children do something that annoy you or something the first reaction that might want to come out immediately is to yell at them or get angry but as we've said in previous episodes about being quick to hear slow to wrath what helps you to be calm is to pause and think, you know, because if you react quickly, the quickest reaction is going to result in the wrongest reaction. <laughs> so you have to pause and think, take a deep breath, and then you, you're more likely to be calm for the situation. And yes, children need stability and calm treatment. <laughs> now, I think we should probably insert a what if. <laughs> <laughs> thing in here as well because a lot of times it is hard to be calm and we don't respond in a calm way Mm -hmm. and I think that that's where we shouldn't expect perfection from ourselves which is hard we're gonna mess it up lots of times and I think that our kids need to see that we're not perfect because we're not but also like how we handle our imperfection so earlier tonight I was getting grumpy with one of my kids and I'm like, oh, I'm just getting so grumpy. But acknowledging that, okay, I am being grumpy and then saying, I am sorry, I shouldn't have not been so grumpy with you and it's nothing you did and I love you and just ask them to forgive you. I think it's so important for them to see that you recognize your faults, you recognize your sin and that you want to change that or you want to do different. And I think that's like the best that we can do because again, we aren't perfect. We're going to fall. We're going to make these mistakes of responding out of anger or frustration or fear and all those sorts of things and just acknowledging like, 
yeah, mommy and daddy have sin too. We're going to mess up too. And Mm -hmm. yeah, just adding that little caveat there. (laughs) Yeah, because each one of these points, we as parents can be imperfect at, make mistakes at, but that's when humility comes into play, apologizing. And (laughs) so I have a verse for this point and it's kind of a similar context It's somewhat similar to the previous point, except that it seems to be more about calmness than cherishing. But Isaiah 66, verse 13, and the context is similar because Jesus was telling his disciples about facing persecution, but knowing that once the persecution's done, it turns from sorrow and difficulty to kind of like the joy, like the birth of a child, (laughs) and then the mother is comforting the child. So Isaiah 66, verse 13, God says, As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And so getting through that travail, the remnant finally gets blessed as if being birthed from labor pains, and then there's all this joy and comfort. The mother puts the child on her chest and can speak peacefully to the child. So after that, there's calmness. And so a parent, like a mother, will comfort her children. And that's what children need is comfort. That's a cool way to think of being calm with our children is that calmness brings comfort to Mm. them. Because I remember different adults when we were growing up, when they would get angry and explosive. And it didn't have to be dramatic necessarily, but just that raised tone of voice or things like that, it made you as a child get intense and want to hide and be scared and stuff. It didn't bring you comfort. It brought fear. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this is a cool verse of showing like, okay, but God wants to comfort us and he does comfort us. And that's what a mother or father should do. We should bring comfort to our children and one way to do that is by being calm. So that's kind of a cool picture in that verse. I like that. Okay, so I've got trivia for you tonight. <laughs> Whoa, I did, I did pretty well last time. Let's see <laughs> if I could do it this time. Yeah, good job. <laughs> that was fun. Okay, so who had the most children in the Bible? Oh, wow. This is a <laughs> tough one. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. So Jacob had 12 children. Um, trying to think who had more than 12 children, if anyone. Let's say King Solomon had many wives. I don't know how many children he had with them. Right. <laughs> but I can't think of anyone who had more than the 12, so I'll go with Jacob, but I'm probably wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting. Solomon had 700 wives. And hmm. 300 concubines. But the Bible only mentions one son. Oh, Rehoboam. Yeah. And two daughters. <laughs> and yeah, I would have thought Solomon with all those wives and concubines. But actually recorded as having the most children in the Bible was Rehoboam. <laughs> so oh, <wow>. Rehoboam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. He had 18 wives and 60 concubines. And then it mentions 28 sons. And 60 daughters. Oh, wow. <laughs> 88 kids. <laughs> Yikes. So, for... Wow, that's even more than... <laughs> there's a someone in Greek mythology, I think it was like 
King Hestius or something. I'm trying to remember where he had like 50 daughters or something, but King Rehoboam had even more than that. Huh? And they, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I probably have the name wrong there, but there's some king in Greek mythology that had 50 daughters. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Sorry. Yeah. That's a but, lot of girls. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And a lot of boys, too. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I missed that one. But, yeah, we thought Solomon, but Solomon's son, wow, with fewer wives and concubines, had a lot more children than Solomon did. <laughs> so, if anyone ever gives us a hard time about having four kids yeah. and that that's a large family, we can just <laughs> say, well, at least we're not like Rehoboam, <laughs> who had 88 kids. <laughs> yeah, whoa. <laughs> How many baseball teams can you make of that? Yeah. <laughs> That's too much math yeah. at a late hour. <laughs> well, good attempt at that. That was an interesting one. <laughs> nice. Another good trivia that now... I know more today than I did yesterday <laughs> about the Bible. Now, let's go on to point number three. The third way that we can build up our children, and that is to be consistent. Have a good consistency of how we raise our children. Consistency can come with several aspects. So, Consistency is perhaps one of the hardest aspects for building up our children because it takes constant work, mm. but it is definitely essential. So being consistent and fair and not making promises that you don't or can't keep. So being consistent would be also being consistent with your word, being consistent with, especially if you have more than one child, <laughs> not showing favoritism, not Picking one child as your favorite over the other. Now, I know in Bible times where you had the firstborn with firstborn inheritance and promises, there might be the temptation of parents to be more favorite with their firstborn, but the Bible does not encourage that other than the inheritance that they get for carrying on the family name. You don't treat younger children with disdain or less love than with your firstborn. And an example of that that we see is Jacob giving his son Joseph, the youngest at the time, the coat of many colors. And that led to some problems with Joseph's brothers there. But <laughs> Yes, favoritism in children does not end well. It creates jealousy and conflict and rebellion. It's just not a good place to head and it is amazing how many families we oh, yeah. <laughs> know have been a part of or have seen where that's a huge issue and mm. it's something that's kind of it may be hard to see when you're in the middle of it and then you are able to get away from it and then you're like oh wow <laughs> there was a lot of favoritism going on and no wonder this brought conflict into the family and yeah so it's just something that may not always be apparent, but something to always be mindful of because you don't want to fall into that trap of favoritism or not being consistent or fair. 
And being consistent and being fair doesn't necessarily mean that you treat your children exactly the same as if they're the same individual because each children's unique, so they might have their own different interests. Some might struggle in certain school subjects or excel in them more than others, so they might need different levels of attention for some subjects, but we're talking about the way you treat them as your children, as less love. We don't want to love any children less, but we want to cater to each of them as they need and take into account their specific needs with the same amount of love. So I know it's kind of a sad case, but I do know of a case where favoritism was pretty extreme and the youngest boy was favored and the older girl was not looked upon in a consistent or fair or loving way. So the boy got to pretty much do anything. He was spoiled rotten, basically. He got his own dog. His parents bought him a car. And then the older girl, she had to work for everything and was basically on her own. Mm-hmm. And I mean, unfortunately, that drove that family apart. But there are many examples where that can easily come into your family system. It divides families. And as parents, you know, you don't divide your family. And yeah, another example in the Bible of that that I was just thinking of was Jacob then playing favorites with his children, with Joseph, but then up one level from that is Isaac played favorites with Esau and Jacob. So Esau was his favorite. And how did that work out? It ended up making Esau want to kill Jacob because Jacob was trying to fight for his own favor and ended up stealing the birthright. And then Esau vowed to kill his own brother. And yeah, you end up turning siblings into enemies. If you put a wedge between them with being inconsistent, unfair, or playing favorites with them, Yeah, it's yet another point where you have to be aware daily, being consistent, being fair, avoiding the temptation of playing favorites is something that you have to work on every day. So a passage that we have to kind of go with this point is found in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through verse 7. And it says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine hearts. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by thy way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So that consistency is not just a morning routine, it's an all-day thing. And I liked how you said, babe, it's like something that we have to be aware of on a daily basis, like throughout the day, every day, being aware And I think for me and probably for other parents too, it's hard to be consistent towards the end of the day because you're exhausted Mm. and tired. And then, of course, that's when your two-year-old wants to act out or (laughs) your teenager wants to have an attitude. (laughs) You're like, oh, do I really need to deal with this or can I just let it go? And that inconsistency of not staying on top of training them and redirecting them can lead down the path of destruction. And that's what this verse is warning about. Like, these are things that you have to diligently teach Mm. your children. 
Yeah, definitely always teaching your children fairly and equally the universal precepts of God's law. And we also see in James 2 verse 9 that, yes, the law of God does say not to pick favorites, not to be unfair with your children, but to be consistent. James says, but if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convicted of the law as transgressors. So the law, according to James, says not to be partial. If you're partial towards people, you commit sin. And so (laughs) it's not an option. It's not something cute. It's not something that's a little vice or something, you know, (laughs) like a little white lie or that kind of thing. It's something that's it's against God's law that we should be practicing and teaching to our children. So we also need to we need to not be partial ourselves and we need to teach our children not to be partial And so that is the number three way that we can build up our children. So first was to cherish them. Second was to be calm to them. Third, to be consistent with them. And now finally, number four is to be complimentary, to compliment them. So we need to verbalize our love and affirmation and show our children that we appreciate them every day. Make sure that they're not feeling like they're constantly having to work hard to gain our approval. They should be trying to get our approval, but it shouldn't be like some incredibly lofty goal. They need to know every day that they're appreciated. So telling our children, reminding them of the fact that we are thankful that they're our children, that we're thankful that we get to be their parents is very important for their self-esteem, their drive to continue to grow and do better and their well-being and happiness. Yeah. If I had to rank any of these, (laughs) I would say that this one is the most important. I mean, all of these are important, but I think like affirming our children is just so key to building them up. And I think this is something that we easily dismiss because it's easy to get focused on. Don't do that. No to this. No to that. (laughs) And then before we know it, we've said no all day long. Have we even once told our child I love you, or I'm proud of you, Mm, or you did a great job on this. We had a hard day. And I mean, those words will go way deeper and longer and build our children up than all those no's we said all Mm. day long. And it's, again, so easy for us to kind of lose track or assume like, oh, they know I love them. (laughs) I played with them today. (laughs) Or... It's like, oh, you have to verbally tell them that because otherwise they don't know. And so I think that's so important. Yeah, because it could be easy to just, yeah, as you said, say no or say, you know, just get frustrated, express the negativity when they do something wrong. And then it's also easy if they do the right thing to just kind of take it for granted. Like, okay, you don't say something positive. It's just, well, that's what they're supposed to do, that kind of thing. So it's important to bring the positive there state the positive even just state it when it was just a typical day you know constantly remind that love them and yes when they do the right thing even if that's what they're supposed to do is obey you to say good job obeying you know 
think it was something in the Bible where this kind of applies, but just that reaffirming what you're doing is right. Like you are on the right path here. (laughs) And and I think that that's kind of where that affirmation comes into play with our children is that good job. You obeyed this time and helping them understand that that's the right path to go down. Looking for strategies that will help you engage in meaningful conversations with members of the Mormon Church? Well, if so, take a look at Sharing the Good News with Mormons, a new book produced by Harvest House Publishers and edited by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. Sharing the Good News with Mormons includes 24 helpful essays from two dozen Christian apologists, scholars, and pastors. Pick up your copy at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore or order directly from mrm.org. So there's this really cool video that was kind of going around Facebook recently and it was just so precious. So if it's still on there, hopefully you can find it. But there was a newborn baby that was laying in the warmer just right after delivery. And the baby's crying. And so the dad comes over and he's videotaping it. And he's softly and kind of gently telling the baby, it's okay, it's okay, I'm right here. Daddy's right here. And then immediately the baby just calms down and stops crying. And then just a few seconds later, the baby starts crying again and kind of flailing the arms and legs around how babies do. And then this time the dad held her little hand and he's like, it's okay. It's okay. Daddy's right here. I love you. And when the dad said, I love you, the little baby opened her eyes and looked right at her dad. It was like so amazing. I mean, the baby calmed down and just how powerful those words and his tone of voice and just that, oh, that is my dad. (laughs) And like, how often do we miss those soft tones of just even our heavenly father, God speaking to us and Mm. saying, it's okay. It's okay. I'm right here for you. You can get through this. You can do it. I love you. But we're so busy and stressed and worrying about everything else. And how are we going to parent perfectly or love our spouse perfectly that we miss that small voice of God telling us it's okay? And that's where I think it's such a privilege to be parents to our children that we get to kind of partake in being that voice for them and letting them know that we love them and we're here for them. And I didn't see that video that you described, but it kind of reminds me of when our youngest was born. Or, you know, like I think that's how ours kind of went down too, because I remember she was came out. She was like blue for maybe about. 30 seconds to a minute and the nurses are trying to like get her color to come in and I I just kept trying to tell her you know it's okay you know love you it's okay you know stuff and then she finally calmed down and I remember lying there I remember her opening her eyes and looking at me and and I put my finger and she grabbed my finger and stuff yeah that's just so precious (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I remember because my grandma was in there too and she even said like wow as soon as Daniel said I love you she like looked right at him (laughs) it's just so precious Mm. because yeah babies can hear you Mm. in the womb so they know your voice they yeah know who you are it's so cool yeah and another tip there is it helps to talk to your child even in the womb you know and sing to them talk to them read books to them they like that (laughs) 
So we have a verse for being complimentary to our children, and that's Proverbs 27, verse 9, where it says, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel, or by the counsel of the depths of the soul. So counsel that's coming from the depth of your heart, your soul, the sweetness of that. So being sweet, being complimentary is kind of like the sweet scent of ointments and perfumes and how just think of <laughs> like if I put on a cologne or something that you really like, so you are, and it's like, oh, it just makes me want to be around you or something. <laughs> <laughs> it says that ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. <laughs> so that's kind of like the way your words can smell good to children if you are uh, complimentary to them. I don't remember what parenting book I read this in, but I know that there's a recommendation in one of these books that we have. It says that for every negative word you use with your child, that you should say at least five positive words for them. So yeah. that can be kind of hard on those rougher days. Like yeah. if you have had to say no, or that's not nice, or we don't do that, you know, any kind of negative thing, those can add up quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so you say that 30 times in a day, somehow you're supposed to fit in 150 <laughs> affirming words oh, to yeah. counterbalance that. Yeah. But me not saying that it has to be exactly five, but just that kind of in your mind that saying, okay, for every negative or more disciplined type of situation we encounter, we need to also make sure we are doing the complimentary, we're affirming them, we're making them feel loved and valued. Yeah, because I remember when we were talking and our, like a, a while ago, we had, we were doing episodes on marriage and communication and I think you mentioned, sweetheart, about how powerful negative words are, how much we remember them more than positive words. So yeah, to counterbalance the negative, we definitely need to pour on the positive words. And that's not to say like we shouldn't say no to our children uh, because that's yeah. not what the Bible teaches either. But, but there's a way to say no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was a fun episode. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> But also kind of like, oh, yep. yikes, I've got a lot yeah. of work to do. Uh, um, that's what I'm thinking, too. <laughs> it's like, uh, am I saying enough positive words to our kids, especially, you know, with my somewhat sometimes dry personality? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I think to me, that's like why God designed the male and female <laughs> family unit in a husband and wife and children because dads are going to be different with their kids than moms are. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing yeah. because the kids need both mm, of that. Yes. <laughs> so if dads were like always like, oh, come cuddle with me. And I'm going yeah. to tickle you. Or, I, don't know, I mean, maybe some dads are like that, but yeah. that'd be kind of weird. <laughs> so yeah. It's like you need that balance of let's wrestle or let's run around the family room yeah. 10 times <laughs> yeah kids need that balance of velvet and steel yeah <laughs> i've yeah. heard that before <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah it's definitely a fun episode as we said challenging but positive so four ways to build up our children 
And we hope that you enjoyed this episode of Truth Espresso and that you will stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso in this series and any other series that we do. And so, God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.